0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's Focus for Tuesday, November the 7th, 2023, at 3.32 p.m. Central Time. Well, have you noticed? Have you noticed it yet? Come on. Have you noticed it? I know you don't really know what I'm asking if you've noticed, but I'm asking, have you noticed it yet? Have you been watching TV and you're like, wait, 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 no, no, no? Have you been listening to the radio and you hear a commercial come on? You're like, no, no, it, no, it can't, it, and then you realize, yes, Christmas commercials have started the holiday commercials have begun and you're start and at least like Sirius XM they're dropping all of their holiday Christmas music channels or sorry they started on November the 1st I think tomorrow's where they launch all of them I don't even know how many they're going to have there's so many different ones they're going to have but like it or not Christmas is just around a corner and depending On maybe your philological background, Christmas is not just around the corner. Advent is just around the corner because Advent begins this year on December the 3rd. You may not celebrate Advent. You may not care about Advent. Some of you don't even care about Christmas and I understand. So let me just get this out of the way right now. All right. Because today's focus, we're going to be talking about something that clearly connects to Christmas and clearly connects to the Advent season. But I know immediately whenever you turn on the microphone and start talking to Christmas, to Christmas, to Christians about Christmas, or about anything related to Christmas or Advent, you are always going to have some who immediately will start, it's a pagan holiday. How dare you celebrate it? It's Catholic. Don't celebrate it. Don't do anything with it. You pagan, you ungodly Satanist. What are you doing? Don't give any presents. Burn the Christmas tree. If you spell Satan backwards, if you spell Santa backwards, it's Satan or whatever the case may be. Get, you get all these crazy kinds of emails and they always start getting, as you get closer to December, how dare you don't give presents, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't sing a, a Christmas carol, don't do this, don't have a Christmas tree, don't celebrate anything, be miserable. Okay. And I understand that many of the people who do that, I understand they have good intentions. they they think they're trying to be true to God's word and they're trying to be. Biblical, and I understand what they're trying to do, but in many of their arguments, it's very <laughs> questionable history. Not only questionable history, <laughs> yeah, Satan clause, exactly. Oh man, I, I've heard that so many times. Okay, but uh, I I know that they're trying, but a lot of times when you listen to them, it's just it, it borderline, it borderlines paranoia, conspiratorial, and just sometimes horrible history. And sometimes so many logical fallacies that you don't know what to do with. You just kind of sit there going like, really? And so I hate to say this. I hate to say this. But there's there's a little bit of truth to this. Christianity ruined Christmas for me. Christianity absolutely makes—in uh, some cases, I dis, uh, despise Christi- uh, Chris- Christmas. Sometimes I despise Christmas because of Christianity, because of Christians. Now, I, I have my own issues with Christmas because of things that happened when I was young. But set aside those struggles— when I became a Christian, I thought, oh, Christmas is going to be this magical, beautiful time. I had no idea that you're walking right into the middle of a war and it's like, no, do this on Christmas. No, don't do this. Do this. Don't. do this. And, and at some point, you know, you know what I think I'm going to do? I don't think I'm going to celebrate anything and I'm just going to get as far away, you know, or if I'm going to celebrate Christmas, I'm just not going to tell any Christians because I'm going to have to deal with some kind of controversy. And it's feel I felt like Christmas became more about controversy, and I can't do this and do this, and Christmas and Christians getting mad because Target didn't say Merry Christmas, and how dare they? Or they call it a holiday tree instead of a Christmas tree, and then it's a war on Christmas, and so there's a war on Christmas supposedly from the world, and there's a war on Christmas within the church, and at some point you're like, it's just controversy, yelling, screaming, debating, uh, accusations of of you being a pagan, and it's like at some point you're like. I don't even know what to do anymore. And no one ever really even thinks about the things they say like, well, December the 25th, it has pagan connections. Find me a day on the calendar that doesn't have pagan connections. Even the days of our week, the days of our months are almost all taken in some way shape or form from paganism. I mean you yeah I've looked at before like a world's religious calendar dealing with everything from witchcraft to to paganism to other religions and it's almost like every day they're like, well that day at this point was celebrated for this and this was celebrated for this and this day was when this spirit w-. and it's like well then whatever day you celebrate something it's connected to paganism so don't ever celebrate anything don't, don't breathe, don't move. So I, 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 I hate that that's a reality, but it's a reality. So here's what I have to say. If you don't celebrate Christmas, that's your freedom. If you don't want to celebrate the incarnation of the eternal son of God, that that's your freedom. You you can choose not to do so. All right. And that's okay. But I don't know why then you're so bothered to yell and scream at other people who are like, well, when I open my Bible, I read about the incarnation of the eternal son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, right? I, I, I read that story. It's in the Bible. It's a biblical account. It's a historical account that we believe. And if I'm choose to celebrate that in December the 25th, I don't know why you would want to yell and scream at me because I'm celebrating a biblical event, Now, I understand Christians don't agree on how we should celebrate it, and should we do this, and shouldn't we do that? And look, by all means, there will be other podcasts that will yell and scream about it. You can get together with all of your, you know, Christian friends, and you can tell that the rest of Christianity has all, you know, been, have sold out, and they're all pagans, and that you're the only godly people left, and you're the only people who have yet to bow your knee to the paganism. That you, by all means, go do that. But as far as I am concerned, I think celebrating and using this time of year as a time of remembering, celebrating, learning, and a time of spiritual growth, I think it's a great idea. Now, my problem isn't—so once, once I got away from realizing there's just no point in fighting and arguing with people anymore— because it's a waste of time. Once I kind of just said, you know what? I don't, I don't care. They're going to yell. They're going to scream. They're going to make their accusations. I'm done with dealing with that. I'm just going to move on. Then the next thing I realized is, you know how hard it is? Now, now maybe, maybe this is where you are. Maybe you don't have to deal with all of that other craziness. All right. But we have to at least address it. Maybe this is where you find yourself. You look at the calendar and you're like, man, it's November the 7th. Okay. All right. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make Christmas special this year. I'm going to make it about Christ. It's going to be a time of spiritual growth. This is going to be a beautiful, wonderful, spiritual time. And then the next thing you wake up and you're like, it's January the 5th. What happened? What happened to Advent? What happened to Christmas? Or the next thing you know, you're trying as hard as you can to make it about Christ and to make it spiritual. And the next thing you know, it turns into family gatherings and food and you're stressed out and responsibility. You got to buy gifts and you're d- dealing with the finances. And before you know it, you're like, well, it was a, oh, and then you, you, you find yourself just kind of frustrated and bothered and irritated that it doesn't ever turn out a lot of times when i find myself on christmas night a lot of times on christmas night i'll just be sitting there going man what happened i had this entire season in front of me and i didn't do anything with it and it's gone and so i am going to strive my best this year to not get to December the 25th, December the 26th, December the 27th and sit there going, what happened? What ha- I'm going to do my best this year to try to grab on to this season, Advent and Christmas and make the most out of it. And so we're going to be talking a lot about that. We're going to be talking probably coming up over the next few weeks. You'll probably hear a lot of discussion about the liturgical calendar and the lectionary. In fact, Uh, starting and what we're going to call the liturgical calendar of 2024. For those who do not know, the church year, if you're following the historical liturgical calendar, the church year actually begins on the first Sunday of Advent. The first Sunday of Advent this year is December the 3rd, 2023, which then marks the church year 2024. You're actually saying Happy New Year. On the first Sunday of Advent, you're saying Happy New Year. It's a brand new church year. So we're going to, for the church year of 2024, starting on December the 3rd, Uh, (laughs) happy hassle days. Well, there there is a lot of that. There is a lot of that. There's no question about it. Someone just said that in chat. So uh, what we're going to do here on this podcast is for the church year, for the church liturgical calendar year of 2024, we are going to talk about the liturgical seasons on this podcast a lot, and we're going to be following the historical lectionary, throughout 2024, right? And you're going to hear more about that. I'll create a series uh, so that you can keep up with all the things we're going to be talking about. We'll be talking church history. We'll be talking scripture, theology. Uh, it'll, It'll be hopefully a beneficial time. Now, I have done this at my church in years past, um, and it was a ma- it was a major turning point for our church theologically because in the midst of following the historical lectionary, we had a major theological upheaval that occurred. I won't go and tell that entire story. We've you've heard it so many times. So we're going to be doing that. So we'll be talking about that in far greater detail about the liturgical calendar, the s- the seasons that are there, what each season represents, how many weeks they cover, maybe origins and history of each season. We'll be taking it all apart. But here's what I want to do. Because it's November the 7th, and before we know it, it's going to be December the 3rd, but you have a little bit of time. What I want to do for today's focus is I want to present to you, for you to start thinking and maybe even start putting a plan into action to obtain all the materials. I want to put before you the concept of an advent wreath to start your new church year to start your Advent season leading to Christmas as a time that will be far more spiritually beneficial and hopefully help make make this season much more meaningful from a spiritual standpoint. You may still love everything else that comes with the season. You may love the weather, the lights, the gifts, the family, the food, and that's wonderful. But hopefully I can try to say, hey, 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 here's this one thing that could possibly be beneficial a wreath five candles and then you use that wreath in those candles for each day you light the candle and you at least spend a few minutes of scripture that would relate to the candle to the season and you do that and then each and so yeah and then we'll, we'll go through exactly how to do it and hopefully if you will utilize that maybe by the end Maybe by the end, you'll be like, wow, okay, that was a great Advent Christmas season and i benefited greatly from it. And then all the people yelling and screaming that you're a pagan and then whatever, you you can't do anything about that. But you know, you spent time each day in God's word, putting your focus on that which is spiritual versus that which is carnal and fleshly. And then hopefully by the end, you've grown spiritually, maybe just a little bit but a little bit is better than none. Okay. A little bit of spiritual growth is better than moving backwards. It's better than staying stagnant. So that's what we're going to attempt to do. So I'm going to go through a little bit of history. I'm going to go through a little bit of symbolism. I'm going to go through a little bit of how to put it together. Um, and and we'll see, and we'll see what we can uh, we'll see what we can pull off and we'll see what we can do. And hopefully it will be beneficial and helpful to everyone involved. And then if you have any questions, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. And I will do my very best to answer those questions either in podcast or in a response, in an email. Sometimes it's easier to do so right here in front of the microphone. Again, for those who just like you hate Christmas, you hate it all, you think it's all evil. I understand. I, I literally, there's not much I can do for you. I feel like you're missing out on celebrating a very important event in the, in the Bible, you know, the incarnation of Jesus. And now people say, oh, I can do that every Sunday. Well, then that's okay. You do it every Sunday. That's great. I, I think having a special time to really emphasize one specific biblical event and all the scriptures that relate to it I don't know how that could be a bad thing. I don't know. I don't know how that could be a bad thing, but that's okay. All right. So are you ready? Let's do this. All right. If we start trying to find the origin and the history of the Advent wreath, typically we're gonna find ourselves in Germany, probably with the Lutherans. That's typically where we find there are some specific individuals who their their names are given, and uh Okay, uh, hang on. Someone just asked the question, what starts the year? What starts the new year liturgically is the first Sunday of Advent, the first Sunday of Advent. That starts the new church year, if you're following the liturgical calendar, the first Sunday of Advent. And then you have four weeks in Advent where you're remembering the first coming and the second coming of Christ, and you're preparing yourself for Christmas. So, the first major event that we remember is obviously Christmas, but really those four weeks, you're remembering the first coming and the second coming. You're already starting that that thing, all right? So, so let's go back now to the history. So, tracking down the origin of the Advent wreath, again, you're typically going to end up in Germany, Lutherans. That's typically where you're going to end up. Some will argue Maybe a couple of different things. Some, some will try to connect it to paganism. And then you, you just, it goes on and on. Again, look, any, any object that you, any, anything you do, whether time, day, or object, someone's going to say it's pagan. Just remember, if someone used something for paganism, doesn't mean you're using it for paganism, right? I, I don't know how people can, can't, don't, can't understand that, right? If someone takes meat and offers it to an idol and you eat that meat, you're not offering it to an idol. You're eating it. Remember, we could talk 1 Corinthians here, okay? So, but if, you're, if your conscience just feels like you can't do anything with anything t- touching, uh, you know— paganism, then what I would tell you to do is just be honest with yourself and ask yourself how you're going to live in a world where almost the day, the, the days of the week and the months are almost all connected to some type of pagan deity. Like, what are you going to do? Greek mythology, pagan deity, like, what are you going to do? At some point, you're going to be like, I can't do anything. Well, or you can realize what they did with the day or what is not what we're going to do, all right? But so, so we could get into a long history, but basically... By the Middle Ages, the Christians adapted this tradition and used Advent wreaths as a part of their spiritual preparations for Christmas. So, by the time the Middle Ages it becomes a little bit more known, and we, we could get into I, I, The only reason I'm not going into some of the other history is it's a lot of wild speculation, and you could probably get 15 different sources telling you 37 different things, all right? But by the time of the Middle Ages, Right, Advent wreaths kind of become a time. Now, please note a part of their spiritual preparation for Christmas. So they saw Christmas as this amazing day to remember the incarnation of of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, and so. But they felt that it was a time to prepare for that. And Advent, if you go back into history, was much more a time of of repentance and a time of of. You know, it was, it was a more somber time. It wasn't so much a time of celebration. It was a time of, of mourning over your sin and grieving over your sin, which then made the coming of Christ that much more special because he came and it was and his name was called Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. It was much more a time, not so much of celebration, but a time of, of repentance. But we, we could talk more about that. All right. So by the time, so they ended up with the wreaths and they ended up with candles, all right, so you had wreaths, candles, all used as a t- for spiritual preparation for Christmas. And of course, immediately you know where, why the candles would come, right? Because Christ is the light that came into the world to dispel the darkness of sin and to re- radiate the truth and love of God. And you see this in John chapter 3, maybe verses 19 uh, through 21 and other places. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He, he, he came, and and his, as, as one source says, the light that came into the world to dispel the darkness of sin and to radiate the truth and love of God. Now, by 1600, both Catholics and Lutherans had formal practices surrounding the Advent wreath. All right, so by 1600, you had Catholics and Lutherans, and they had very specific practices surrounding the use of the Advent wreath. So it became very... And at this point. Now, we know what's going to happen. Maybe I mean, you're in the 1600s, you've got the Lutherans, you've got the Catholics. And as the other Protestant groups begin to emerge, many of them will become very, very anti-Catholic. And I mean, what I mean by that is anything that even feels like it touches Catholicism, anything that even comes close to, like, oh, that could be Catholic, boom, they're going to outlaw it, ban it, and they're not going to have anything to do with it, right? So they're going to move further and further away from it, okay? Now, we're not talking just—we're not even talking theology. We're talking— sometimes things may be like lectionary or the Liturgy of the hours which is a beautiful way to, to to sanctify time and having each you know hours of the day dedicated to prayer where you're praying scripture even some of those practices that were very biblical or scriptural would be like nope Catholicism and so you would just move further and further away and then they would say that they're that they're not going to follow the traditions of Catholicism and then the then the non-catholic groups whether you like to admit it or not develop their own traditions, which then almost became ingrained as dogma, and how dare you go against those. But that's a whole different subject. Now, when you take the Advent wreath, throughout church history, there's been much discussed about its symbolism. All right? The wreath is made of evergreens. Typically, it would be viewed as signifying life. The evergreens represent life. The, the wreath is a circle. The circle has no beginning or end. Symbolizing the eternity of God, the immortality of the soul, and the everlasting life found in Christ. So you have a symbolism of life. You have a symbolism of eternity, whether it's the etern- eternity of God, the immortality of the soul, or the everlasting life found in Christ. All together. Now, there's a lot more things we could go through each piece of the of the Advent wreath, but typically it uh, it all it all kind of. When you put it all together, the wreath of the evergreens depicts the immortality of the soul, the new everlasting life promised to us through Christ, the eternal word of the father who entered our world, becoming true man, and who was victorious over sin and death through his own passion, death and resurrection. And we could take every part. Some people decorate it with different things to make it look nicer and to to, to try to show some form of symbolism. Now, let's make it very clear. The symbolism is not some philological dogma. It's not some biblical mandate. What it is is, okay, we're going to use this object, this wreath. We're going to put some candles here and we're going to utilize this to try to point us to these deeper spiritual realities. And if it points you to those deeper spiritual realities, then, then it's wonderful. It's great. The candle, the light, the wreath, the circle... Okay, if, it, if it's pointing you towards godly things, you're not you're not making some you're not making some claim. This is dogmatically true. This is in the Bible. You're not saying that. You're saying that I'm utilizing these objects to help point my mind to the things of God. That that's all you're doing. Okay. Hopefully, somebody will have a a problem with that. Now, historically, now you, just so that you know this, the four candles represent the four weeks of Advent. Now, everyone knows that. That, That's that's just a given. However, there is a tradition that says that each week represents 1,000 years to sum up the 4,000 years from Adam and Eve until the birth of the Savior. Now, that's a tradition. just want you to know that that's been out there within church history, that each week represents a thousand years. And so the four candles represents from Adam until the birth of the Savior, right? So it represents that, in a sense, the world before Christ, if you think about it, just just using this symbolically, that before Christ came, the, the world, those who believed in God were in a 4,000 plus year advent looking for the coming of the Messiah. They were looking for the coming of the Messiah. And guess what? A lot of people who were supposedly looking for the coming of the Messiah missed his coming. They did not recognize it. They did not see it. They were not spiritually minded. Their minds were blinded. They didn't understand the scriptures, whatever the case may be. And so they, in a sense, were not prepared for his coming. They weren't prepared. Well, they had Thousands of years to prepare. We, each each Advent season, we have four weeks to prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ, the celebration of him in Christmas. And so many times we miss it. Not that we don't miss, we miss it literally, but figuratively speaking, as an illustration, we miss it because we find ourselves too busy, too preoccupied, too distracted. And the next thing you know, we wake up, Christmas is over. And now it's the next year and you've already moved on. The Christmas decorations have been put away. The family, all your family has already gone back home. All the food is eaten. The leftovers have been thrown out. You're back to work. You're paying off the debt. Whatever the case, you now move on. And, and in a sense, Christmas came and Christmas went. And I don't know how many Christmas, Christmases you have celebrated as a believer, but I know there's been way, 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 way too many. Christmases that I have celebrated as a believer that came and went, and I and I really missed the real meaning of Christmas. I, I I missed it. I didn't get it. I didn't, you know, as much as I understood it mentally, I didn't do anything with it spiritually. And to be fair, there was a probably a good. I don't know how many years of my Christian life that it was all about. Well, oh, wait a minute. Can we do this on Christmas? Can we do this? Well, what about this? Do we not celebrate this? Do we buy gifts? Do we not buy gifts? Do we do this? Do we even mention the the big man in the red suit? Do we not do? This? Oh wait, wait. Do we do this? Do we do this? And and it became all about rules and legalism and and fighting and 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 oh, well, is it pagan? Is it not pagan? Is it Catholic? Is it not cat? And it became all about that. And every and all that every every year just turned into into a time of really, I hate to say it, judgmental legalism, rules, and no rejoicing, no celebrating the fact that the eternal son of God became flesh to die for my sins. And the only person to blame for that, I want to blame Christianity, but I have to blame myself for allowing Christianity to so distract me from Christ during Christmas, All right. So there you go. All right. So three can to typically now there are two ways of doing the advent wreath. So now we're going to get into a little bit more specifics. A, that's a little bit of the symbolism. Some people will go the traditional four ca- uh, candle wreath. They'll have the wreath with four candles. I prefer the five candle one. I, I prefer five candles in the wreath. Um, but typically when you go with the four or even if you go with five, three of those candles are going to be purple. They're going to be purple. Now, typically purple would be a color that represents prayer, penance, uh, repentance, preparing, sacrifice, that type of thing. The the purple typically is used as a liturgical color to represent that. Repentance, uh, prayer, preparing, sacrifice, that type of thing. One of those candles is typically a pink color or a rose color. All right. Okay. So three candles are purple. Again, that's going to, that symbolizes prayer, uh, penance, repentance, uh, preparing, sacrifice, Those types of things. The fourth one is a rose color, and it is lit on the third Sunday of Advent. On the third Sunday of Advent, you light the pink one or the the rose-colored one. Now, the reason is on some liturgical calendars, especially within Roman Catholicism, this is called Gaudete Sunday. G-A-U-D-E-T-E. Gaudete Sunday. And typically the priest in Roman Catholicism, they would wear rose-colored vestments at mass. Now, godetti Sunday is the Sunday of rejoicing. So in the middle of the the, the, the Sundays prior to, so the, this happens on the third Sunday, so the two Sundays prior, before, it's the purple candles are being lit because this represents pen, you know repentance, prayer, sacrifice, preparing, and then you kind of get a break of that kind of more of a I hate to say negative, but much more a somber. And then all of a sudden on the third Sunday of Advent, you light the rose colored candle, and this is Gadete Sunday, and this is the idea. It, it the idea is the Sunday of rejoicing. Now you rejoice, you're you're about halfway through Advent, and now you this is a time of celebration and a time of rejoicing that you're that much closer to the coming of Christ, you're that much closer to the incarnation. That's the, the kind of the symbol, all right? Um The the progressive lighting of the candles symbolizes the expectation and hope surrounding our Lord's first coming into the world and the anticipation of his second coming to judge the living and the dead. Of course, the light, again, signifies Christ, the light of the world. And then for those who have the five-candle advent wreath, the white candle is placed in the very middle of the wreath and this represents Christ and it is lit again depending on tradition some light it on christmas day i prefer christmas eve night uh, maybe getting close to midnight if you're if you if you want to do it that way but then that, that's the white candle sometimes referred to as the christ candle all right so five candles all right three are purple one is rose color one is white the four go around right the wreath and then the white one goes directly in the middle now of course these candles would be lit each sunday of advent especially if you're doing it in church you can do it at home as a family but you're going to do you're going to do more than just light them on sunday the key is that this would these would be continually continually lit you would light them at specific times each day for like, okay, like on the first week, you like the first pu- purple candle on the first Sunday of Advent, whenever you're going to do this at home. And then you have the reading for that particular day. You read, you may do a quick meditation on it, a quick devotional. It does, you're not trying to do full-blown sermons here, not even full-blown Bible studies. You're reading the text of scripture that is assigned for that day. And then you may spend a few minutes thinking about it, talking about it, and then prayer. Or if you want to sing a hymn, whatever, you can add little elements to it. It's not supposed to be a burden. It's not supposed to be something that's long and drawn out. It's not like you're trying to prove your spirituality. It's just taking a little time. You take a little time and you, you, let's say it's Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening after church, whenever, right? And you're like, this is the first Sunday of Advent. Maybe you have kids, you get the kids together, that one of them gets to be the one, first one to light the candle. The other one gets to be the one to blow it out. You light the candle, you tell them this candle, this is the first Sunday of Advent. This is, we p- begin to prepare as we look for the, the day, you know, that Jesus will come, you know, you're, you're, you're getting them and you read the scripture. You may have helped them depending on their age, read the scripture. You may ask some questions about the reading. You may talk about it for a few minutes, you may sing a hymn, pray, and it's over. It's not to be some drawn out thing. It's not to be torture. It's not to be, if it's, it becomes negative and becomes a burden, don't do it because then that's a, that's a horrible thing. That's the that's last thing you want. It's supposed to be a fun thing, a fun thing. And then someone blows out the candle. Then the next day, in your first week of Advent, you light the candle, do the reading for that day, do the same. Then the next day, The next day, when you get to the second Sunday, you light the first candle and the second candle, right? Then for the entire second week, you light the first candle and the second candle. Third week, you light the third candle. Of course, the first candle, second candle, and the third candle, You get the idea. You do that the whole third week, the fourth week, first candle, second candle, third candle, fourth candle. Then on Christmas Eve night, you light all five candles. You light the white candle and then Christmas. And then you do that throughout the Christmas season. Remember Christmas lasts almost uh, 20, 21 days, 22 days on the liturgical calendar. It's more than just a day. It's a season. And so there's lots of different readings and things you can do, but it's to make it fun. Even if you don't go after Christmas, right? Even if you don't go the twenty something days of Christmas season, even if you just do the four weeks, Christmas Eve, Christmas night, maybe do it a couple of more days, all the way at least up to the new, to, you know, to the new year. Whatever the case may be, um, you can pick where you want to stop, but at least you're getting those four weeks in and preparing. And, and and doing those kinds of things. Now, the candles have some symbolism as well, other than, well, the light signifies Christ, the light of the world. I mean, obviously, right? But the first candle, which is purple, symbolizes hope. And it is sometimes called the prophecy candle. And remembrance of the prophets, especially Isaiah, who foretold the birth of Christ. It represents the expectation, felt, and anticipation of the coming Messiah, So a lot of times the first week's readings will be from Isaiah. They'll be from prophets, prophets, from different prophets or prophecies. And they're pointing to, and, and you have hope. We're hoping for the coming of Christ. We have that hope for the coming of Christ. Now, of course, representing the first coming, but then we take from that hope for the second coming. All right. So that's called the prophecy candle. Sometimes referred to as the hope candle. All right. Uh, uh, It says the second candle, also purple, represents faith. It is called the Bethlehem candle as a reminder of Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem. So now you go from ancient past looking for the coming Messiah. Now you're getting closer. Now we're thinking of Mary and Joseph and their travels to Bethlehem. Right? And this is the faith. So you have hope, you have faith. The third candle is pink or rose. It is called, sometimes it's called the shepherd's candle and is pink because rose is a liturgical color for joy. The third Sunday of Advent is Gaudete Sunday. And it is meant to remind us of the joy that the world experienced at the birth of Jesus. How well as the joy of, that faithful have reached at the midpoint of Advent? All right. So this is joy. You got hope. You got faith. You have joy. Right, you're you're getting all of this is symbolic, and the readings hopefully will capture the hope, the faith, the joy, the preparing, the looking forward to, building the excitement for the coming of Christ. On the fourth week uh, of Advent, do we light the final purple candle to mark the final week of prayer and repentance as we wait for the birth of our savior. The final candle is sometimes referred to as the angel's candle and it symbolizes peace. It reminds us of the message of the angels, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. All right. Now, the white candle is placed in the middle of the wreath and lit on Christmas Eve is when I would suggest this candle is called the Christ candle, and it represents the life of Christ. The color white is for purity, holiness, because Christ is our sinless, pure Savior. There is the Advent wreath, a little bit of symbolism of the wreath itself, clearly the symbolism of the candles. And there you have it. So on the first Sunday of Advent, if you're doing this at home, you get people together. Even if you're just doing it by yourself. If nobody in your family wants to participate, great. Don't make them. Don't turn it into torture. Don't say, kids, you are going to do this. Okay, like, that's just, oh, you know. What do you hope to accomplish? Okay, I'm going to do this. I hate every bit of it, but it's not like all of a sudden in the middle of it, they're going to be like, I think I love Jesus. Okay, like don't do that. You can invite them to be a part of it. And when they see candles and lighting candles and a wreath, maybe they'll only be interested for five minutes and they'll be like, butterfly. And then they'll run off. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. But if you want to do it, all you need is the wreath, the candles, a Bible and you need the readings. Now, you can do the readings a couple of different ways, right? There's all kinds of sources out there that will give you readings. You can uh, use the, uh, the historical lectionary. Now, you typically you'll find that lectionary on Catholic websites. You can do that one. You could look for other lectionaries that are out there. There's lots of different ways to find the readings. What I will probably do, what we may do, is I may... Uh, I I'll, I'll probably be covering the readings each day for the podcast. So we'll definitely be doing it that way. Uh, but to help you, and I don't want to, you know, if in case I miss a day, I don't want to be forced. What I may do is have someone help. Uh, I may end up, uh, uh, I don't know. I'll come up with a way. I'll come up with a way. Um, I'll come up with an idea. And then once I figure out exactly how I want to do so, and then we'll we'll get them uh, ready. I mean, um, there's lots of, I mean, there's just so many different ways of doing it. I have here, let's see, right, where I'm going to move all my pencils. Yeah, I just got a little booklet. Now, this is more Catholic, but it has, you know, it's the Advent Companion, Advent 2023. And yeah, there's plenty of Catholic things in here, right? But I don't have to, you know, I don't have to follow any of that. What I have to look for is, where here it is. Sunday, December the 3rd, first Sunday of Advent. uh, A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 13, verses 33 through 37. There would be my first reading, all right? Um, Monday... uh, Monday, uh, December the 4th, uh, Mon- uh, Monday, the first week of Advent, I have here that this reflection that they have in here is based on Matthew 8, 5 through 11. So maybe I will use that one. Uh, and the next one is Luke chapter 10, 21 through 24, right? And if I was going to use, if I was going to look up online, the Catholic lectionary, I think I have a, uh, I have it right, right here. Yeah, I have it right here from, um, this is from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. I'm looking at the daily readings for December the 3rd, 2023, which is the first Sunday of Advent. If I go up, here is Monday of the first week of Advent. Here are the readings. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The Psalm is Psalm 122, and the gospel is Matthew chapter 8, 5-11, which is just like the little booklet I got here. So you see, I can do all the readings. I can do one reading. There's lots of different ways to get the readings. A lot of people get all confused by that and what to do, and I don't, I, I don't know what to do. The lectionary is the way to go in my estimation. And you say, well, what happens? Because a lot of times it, I, I don't think there's uh, an, any apocryphal readings, but let's just say there's an apocryphal reading in Advent. Maybe there is one. Um, but if there is, you say, people are like, what do I do? You just don't read it. Or you can just read the apocryphal reading as reading a historical document and not believing that it's inspired scripture. I mean, it's not to like you know it's going to infect you or something like that. It's a historical document whether whatever you want, you want to do with it. but that's what I do. So you know you can the the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, if you go to that website, um, then you right there and you can sign up for to get the daily readings emailed to you. And then you have the readings, and those are the lectionary readings that would be used in every Catholic church for Mass, but they're just Scripture. So, I mean, you know, you're not doing, it's, it's not like you're violating some rule. You're, it's just Scripture. So, Monday of the first week of Advent, Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. There you go. Psalm 122, Matthew chapter 8, 5 through 11. I would like... I would because Sunday you're lighting the first candle and then on Monday you're still you're going to relight the first candle you're going to do those readings. going to meditate on it, think on it. then Tuesday or't then at the end you'll blow the candle out on Tuesday, light the candle and then on Tuesday, go to the next one. Tuesday of the first week of Advent Isaiah 11 one through10 Psalm 72. And the gospel is Luke 10, 21 through 24. And if you can't find this website that I'm currently looking at, just email me, newsif at news newsif at yahoo.com, say link, and I'll just send you the link. And then you can you can pull up the calendar there and you can go, you can go ahead and skip all the way to December. The third, and you can just make a little, in a notebook, you can just write down the readings. Here's the first Sunday of Advent. Here's Monday of the first week of Advent. Here's Tuesday. Here's Wednesday. And then you can just write them all out, and then you just have them. There you go. And again, if you see an apocryphal reading, just skip it. It, You're not, like, bound to it. But the readings come straight from the Word of God. So, you know, you're not doing anything wrong that way. Uh, Just some people get, yeah. Just to alleviate any concerns. There you have it. There is the Advent wreath. December the 3rd. We'll be here before we know it. I don't know if it feels like Christmas where you are. It's not feeling like Christmas where I am. It's 90 degrees today here in West Texas. Right? It's 90 degrees and sunny. It is hot outside. In fact, it's hot here in the studio. Okay, So it does not feel like Christmas here. But I have seen the Christmas commercials, and I'm like, There it is, there it is, there it is, there it is, And you can say, Oh, that's you know they've turned it into such a materialistic celebration, and it's so horrible, and it's capitalism and you i you can you can be bothered by how ever, what everyone else does with it, but instead of being worried about what everyone else is doing, how about you say, Hey, uh, honey' I'm leaving. Where are you going? I'm headed out. I'm going to buy an advent wreath and some candles and we're going to set this up and I'm going, and I don't care who else in the family wants to participate, but for me, myself and I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to need time. So each evening, e- each day, you're going to have to give me 15, 20 minutes. Even if you need to tell someone else to watch the kids and then you go somewhere, you light the candle, you do the scripture reading. You just think about it for a few minutes in silence, meditating on it. You pray. You pray. And then you're done. And then the next day, and you don't have to turn it into like some big project where you're spending hours doing something. It's simple. But get something from the scriptures. Get something from the scriptures. For example, I'm going to go to the first Sunday of the. I'm going to go to the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, I'm just going to go to the uh, to the gospel reading. All right, the first Sunday of Advent, the gospel reading is Mark chapter 13. I'm just going to go to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. This is the first Sunday of Advent for December the 3rd, which will mark the beginning of the brand new church year. Uh, Mark chapter 13, verses 33 through 37. We read these words. Mark chapter 13, verse 33 through 37. Take ye heed, watch and pray for you know not when the time is. For the son of man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not know when the master of the house cometh at evening or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest come suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Well, immediately I got something to meditate on. Am I watching for his second coming? Well, you know what will help prepare me for watching for his second coming is for this f- four weeks of advent I spend time watching and praying for his first coming. I relive the first coming and I remember and I remember it and I celebrate it and if I can prepare myself to watch for four weeks for the first coming, hopefully that will prepare me to be better prepared to watch and pray for his second coming. There you go. That's a simple meditation on Mark chapter 13. The the epistle reading uh, well I could go I could start trying to 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 preach all of these, but i I won't do so. I won't do all of these. the The Old Testament reading for the first Sunday of Advent is Isaiah 63 and a part of Isaiah 64, which will then clearly points to the first coming. And there's a lot we could we could do with these. Now each passage, you have the ability to go much deeper. you have the ability to do extensive Bible study. you do. And if you feel that you come across one and you need to do that, do so. Here's what I would say. And and, and I really mean this. If you do the readings for the first Sunday of Advent and you're like, wow, that Isaiah 63 and 64 passage. Woo. There's a lot going on that, you know what I'm going to do? The, the first, the Monday of the first week of Advent, I'm going to light the candle and I'm going to go back to Isaiah 63 and 64. And maybe Tuesday of the first week of Advent, I'm still going to be in Isaiah 63 and 64. Maybe, maybe now at some point you want to move on, but it's okay if, if you, if you don't do the next day's readings, if there's one of those readings that are really speaking to you and, and being very convicting to you, either about the first coming or the second coming either talking about hope, faith, joy right and any of those any of those types of, of 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 ideas but the key is is not just to let this season go by and it's just gone because I'm telling you it will be it will be it'll be here and it'll be gone and To me, this this is what it feels like to me. Every Advent Christmas season, it's like, okay, I'm going to grab onto something spiritual. I'm going to grab onto something related to the kingdom of God. And it's like grabbing sand and it just goes right through your fingertips and it's like it's gone. Will an Advent wreath fix that? I'm not saying it will. But I'm saying it's something tangible, something you see something you put together. And if you do have kids, ask them if they want to help you put together the wreath and decorate it, make it look nice. Right. But just don't forget the basic elements of what it represents. The basic, the candles, you know, a thing, a a box of matches, Bible, just leave, have a Bible sitting there right there next to it. Right. Have, have your, if you go write down all the readings, just set a, a table up somewhere. You have the wreath, you have the candles, you have the matches, you have, the, well, I mean, if you have small kids, you may not want to leave the matches there. Yeah, I don't want you to burn your house down. Okay, and then your Bible and then have the scripture readings there. And then there you go. And if you can set up a specific time, great. If you can't, it's okay. And if you miss a day, just pick up the next day right where you are. Don't don't worry about it. Don't, it's not about guilt. It's not about shame. It's not about some legalistic requirement. It's about trying to find something so that we can Celebrate the incarnation of the eternal Son of God in a way that we all benefit spiritually. How much? I'm not, I can't make any guarantee. Don't know. But I hope this year, if I'm sitting here in this studio at around midnight on Christmas, hoping I can say, "Wow, that was that's a pretty good Advent, pretty good Christmas." I think I got. I think I think I grew spiritually. And if I can say that, that's great. Am I going to just immediately be a better person? No, I'm still going to be a sinner. But isn't that what we said? Isn't that the whole point of Christmas? He came to die for us sinners. So it's a, a very important point. Now, that's 50 minutes. I have, I have 13, <laughs> 13 things that I, I hope that we can uh, can happen to us during this Christmas season. 13 benefits I think can come from this, from this Advent season. All of them come from Scripture, but uh, and they all come from really the Christmas story, uh, but I'm not going to uh, give those right now. We'll talk more about that as we get closer to Advent. All I wanted to do today, and I know it's supposed to only take 15 minutes, but that's okay. I wanted today just to say, hey, it's November the 7th. December the 3rd is going to be here. You got less than a month. Go, 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 go look for an advent wreath. Go, go get, go make your own. Some people like to make them. You want it to be a circle, like right? evergreen, if you can, some kind of evergreen to kind of give that symbolism of life and then the candles. That's really, there's, you just want some of the basic symbolism there, a Bible and then scripture readings, and then you're good to go. and then you just got to dedicate yourself to going over there and lighting the candle, doing the reading, meditating on it. And I will do my very best to do something with those readings as often as I can here in this podcast. I cannot guarantee and promise that it's going to be every single day cuz life happens, but I'm going to do my very best. Because and the reason I'm going to do it, I'm just going to be honest with you. Maybe not so much for your benefit, but if I if I'm whenever I do it, if I sit here in front of this microphone, then if you hear, great, I benefit you, but I benefit myself as, as well. So hopefully that will all make sense. So your today's focus, the Advent wreath. Let's utilize it as a tool to help us grow spiritually during this Advent and Christmas season that will be here before you know it. And that is your today's focus for Tuesday, November the 7th, 2023.